this also happens when we see people in the music business like get famous and it's like oh yeah they just like suddenly became famous no these were definitely long processes in the making and it was kind of like that for me of of quitting it had to it took six months to get up the courage to quit and then just having a conversation and then still having two weeks to work and then being like holy shit what happens now and i think that's important for people to know is like it always is uh there's always a lot more that goes on behind the scenes it's maybe one percent of the time it, it happens quickly but more often than not it's kind of a methodical thing that just kind of slowly unfolds over time Welcome to Beyond the Dollar, a podcast where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. I'm Sarah Lee Kane, founder of High Fighting Dollars. And I'm Garrett Philbin, the founder of Be Awesome Not Broke. As money coaches, we want to give you space to explore your relationship with money. The guilt, stress, exhilaration, and fear, no topic is taboo. In this episode, we talk about how we took our respective leaps into entrepreneurship. We bear all, the good, the bad and the ugly about what it's been like starting and growing our businesses. We talk about how entrepreneurship, just like money, is simply a tool that can help us live the lives that we want. And we share simple questions you can ask to feel more comfortable when making tough decisions in your financial lives and beyond. To find resources we shared in this episode, head over to www.beyondthedollar.co. All right, get ready, grab a seat, and let's go beyond the dollar. Garrett, 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 episode 12, the last one for this season. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> but no, but actually, this is a moment to celebrate, right? So let's celebrate with the Jersey horn. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I was like, in addition to your singing talents, you do sound effects. So there you go, ladies God, <laughs> and <got> gentlemen. <laughs> I, you know, whoever. This is, yeah, it's exciting, you know, to, it's crazy to look back and say, hey, we've already done 12. And... Somehow we did it, uh, you know, and I think the story of how we started the podcast and how we've done it ties in really well to what we're talking about today is why and how we took the entrepreneurial leap. Too long, didn't read. You just have to do it. So great. Now you don't have to listen to the rest of the episode. Uh, that's just how it works. But that idea, um, you know, there are a lot of similarities to how we started our own businesses, how we got the confidence and courage to start them in the first place ties in a lot to how we went about starting this podcast together. Yeah. And before I grill Garrett on this episode, I just want to say a big, big thank you to all the listeners so far, but I really appreciate all the tweets and the reviews. I mean, the one that <laughs> um, I think her name's JV. I apologize if I got that wrong about more singing podcasts. Um, don't tempt Garrett, just let me just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, it's been great seeing those reviews and people. It sounds like you guys have gotten a lot out of it. We've gotten some really good constructive feedback, too, which has been helpful in us making it better, which is ultimately what we're going for, to have this be informative, helpful, uh, and a little bit inspiring, too, if we can go that far. Um, yeah, so thank you, everyone, for for just being engaged. It, it really helps us um, a get better, and it's just fun to hear from you all. Exactly. So, Garrett, time to be grilled today or on this episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, talk about, about your decision to get into entrepreneurship. Like, why did you make that decision? I wish I could say it was a super conscious decision. 
as to why that was done. Even stepping back, like it wasn't a conscious decision at first. Um, I never thought I would be someone who would get into entrepreneurship. I was honestly never someone who believed I could do it because I never really had confidence in myself or my abilities, to be honest. Up until I think I was about 26 or so, um, yeah, I'd really not believed in myself uh, right before I took the leap into entrepreneurship and was a part of starting a music production company with two friends from college. I was at a job I hated. I was at Sony in the copyright department and I wasn't loving what I was doing. I actually was very much disliking what I was doing. I didn't feel good about it. I wasn't confident around it and I felt stuck. I felt like I had no options. I wasn't smart enough to leave the job and have anyone else hire me. So I really just didn't think I had any options. And then having other uh, having support structures around me, which we talked about in episode nine, um, of having one of the guys who I eventually started the music production company with believing in me and saying, no, you can do this. You are good enough. Um, that really helped me make the decision, t- to be honest. So it was okay. So it sounds like it was this, you had this kind of burning desire for this purpose, freedom, autonomy, whatever. But it was almost like you needed some sort of external factor for you to feel like you could be pushed in that. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah, I think I wasn't even clear that I wanted freedom and autonomy. I think I knew it deep down, but I didn't actually put those words to it because I didn't even really believe it was possible. So I didn't think like, oh, this is what I want and need. But yeah, having other people and outside people help support me and believe in me when I didn't, that was really the catalyst that helped me make that decision. Honestly, I don't think I would have done it otherwise you know Um, but once i had someone believing in me and saying you can and should do this it opened me up to like oh my gosh this is a possibility and wouldn't it be nice to then have the freedom and flexibility to work you know not just when i wanted but have the ability to work with people who really excite me and who will push me and be doing something new and exciting that will help me grow and will challenge me uh yeah, I started to then realize that, oh, that is a possibility and how cool that would be. And then the more I thought about it, it was just like, yes, I want this, even if it's going to mean that I'm not going to have a steady salary, even if it means I'm going to be making less money, even if it means I'm likely going to be putting in crazy hours. That was more important to me than anything else, because I was so tired of feeling stuck and stressed and just not having a sense of purpose. I know we say this phrase a lot on this episode, but I love that. (laughs) Okay, so this is something I'm very curious about. Like, what was, walk me through the moment you you actually went and quit. Like, I don't know if you handed a letter, emailed, whatever. Like, walk me through that moment, how it felt. Ah, that is a good question. It wasn't some momentous drop the letter on the desk, flip the birds and just like walk out with pyrotechnics and a great like guitar riff going as much as I would have loved that to happen. But I think actually I just had a conversation with my supervisor, sat down and talked about it, didn't send an email and she was really, really happy for me. And I actually think, you know, the fact that it didn't happen with pyrotechnics and background track is really emblematic of how these things happen you know that it's not just like a major event and 
it's not as if, oh, like I took the leap and literally one second I was in a steady job and one second I wasn't. This also happens when we see people in the music business, like get famous. And it's like, oh yeah, they just like suddenly became famous. No. Or, you know, you see companies that seem to come out of the blue and it's like, no, these were definitely long processes in the making. And it was kind of like that for me of, of quitting. It had to, it took six months to get up the courage to quit and then just having a conversation and then still having two weeks to work and then being like, holy shit, what happens now? <laughs> uh, and I think that's important for people to know is like it always is. Uh, there's always a lot more that goes on behind the scenes. It's maybe one percent of the time it, it happens quickly, but more often than not, it's kind of a methodical thing that just kind of slowly unfolds over time. It took me three years to transition from my side hustle to a full-time business. Yeah, I'd love to tell me how that happened. <laughs> okay, so my journey was very accidental as well. So as you, as I'm sure some of you know, I'm Canadian. My husband is an American. And so when we were talking about our future five-year plan, we were debating whether to move to Canada or the US. So we decided on the US. So I got my green card, all of that kind of stuff. And so I started freelance writing because frankly, I was bored sitting around waiting for my social security number so I can actually work legally in the US. And so I was like, oh, let me let me start Googling. And I actually just, and I think my first post paid me 50 bucks. It was like a guest post actually about zombies. <laughs> Funnily, and I don't know why that's funny, but anyways, about zombies. And so I was like, oh my gosh, you get paid for this. This is so cool. I like, you know, got it paid via PayPal. Like I didn't have to talk to anybody. I just kind of wrote whatever. And then I remember thinking, I can make a go of this, not full-time, like maybe this can help me transition when I really move to the U.S. for good while I'm waiting to get my teaching license, all of that kind of stuff. I thought, okay, because well, I, I, I didn't know how long that would have taken. Sometimes it could take up to a year to get your degree equivalented. That was kind of what I was thinking. Anyways, then I got pregnant and then I was like, no, I actually – want to stay home with my son. Like the the demands of teaching are like a little too much for me. I love it, but it's just, it's a lot. And if I'm going to, you know, not teach anyways, when I'm in the US for a little, why not see if I can make a go of this full time? And it took me, again, three years to really figure out if A, that's what I wanted to do. B, like, does my like would my husband think I was like completely like a nut job for even thinking about it, right? And and, and also it, it was like the the confidence thing too. I was like I am a hustler. I've always been one, and I will be one till the day I die. I know that. But it was can I sustain this? Right? It was that whole mindset of like, do I have to work myself to the ground to to sustain this while raising a son? You know, and so. Um, finally I was like, no, you know what? The last day of my contract, it was like, I think June 6, 2016. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like blanking on the year. Anyways, I was like, okay, that's like the last day I'm going to be employed as a teacher. I'm going to give myself six months. If it crashes and burns, I will get a full-time job. That's awesome. And hearing that the original decision, at least to try it part-time, was very different from what the ultimate decision was of wanting to spend more time with your son. Right? So it started off with one reason, and then it sounds like it changed to another. And for me, I think what I also realized too is I don't I don't hate the teaching profession. I loved what I did. I loved the schools I worked for. I think what I what ultimately I felt was 
I almost felt restricted. Like I'm a very creative person. I kind of like testing out new ideas and all of that stuff. And so in the teaching profession, you have to, of course, teach the curriculum. That wasn't what I was, you know, kind of um in and ahhing about. It was like you have to some people kind of force you to teach the test. You have all these sort of rules you have to follow or methodologies, I guess, you, you kind of have to implement. And for me, I've always been very experimental with the way I've taught. And I used to get criticized for it until they saw results. That was the part where I was like, you know what, I if I can strike it on my own and do my own thing and allow myself to experiment and you know grow the business, like why not, why not do that instead? That leads right into, you know, what have been the really good things about entrepreneurship, right? What has been kind of the the highlights or the best parts of starting our own businesses and working for ourselves? Yeah, look, hey, I'm no, I'm asking you first. What was, what was the best part for you? <laughs> if for me, it really has been freedom of schedule, flexibility of schedule, autonomy, like being able to be in control of myself um, and constantly feeling this sense of growth for personal growth and professional. Um, so a lot of these things that I didn't believe I could have right when I was sharing when I was at Sony, I didn't even think that those things were possible. Uh, but now they've become really so important. And it's weird that I can't even think of life without them. So just to go into each one a little bit more freedom it is both yeah, of schedule and the freedom to, to create what I want, uh, the freedom to do things when I want. It is also just this prevailing feeling now uh, that, holy shit, I can do whatever I want. And that is both incredibly empowering and incredibly scary. I wonder how that feels like for you to have that sense. It's almost like there's a phrase where they say, you know, Trader Joe's is super successful because they give you a limited amount of options, right? Like a normal supermarket, you can actually get overwhelmed because there are so many options and it's actually nice to have some sort of limit to choice. And so I think in entrepreneurship and in running my own business, I run into that sometimes where it can be so freeing. And then sometimes it's like, oh my God, so what do I choose to do? How do you manage that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's in some ways, um, stops a lot of people. Now for me, oh gosh, I've gone FOMO like so many times. <laughs> and I just finally, I remember in 2017, that's that was at the breaking point where I was like, I'm just going to quit. I can't do this anymore. It got too much. And it and I kind of blamed it on balancing motherhood and business like that, though, that's part of it. But part of it was like, I was I was like working on like six projects at one time, like ridiculous, right? Thinking back. Part of it was, for me, it was, what I realized it was that lack of confidence again. Like I wasn't confident enough to pursue one thing because I was like, what if I fail at this? What if I kept doing it? Someone's gonna like find out that like I'm this imposter, like I can't help people with their money or you know, I'm not a great writer, whatever. Like that was really the underlying fear, subconscious thought that was running through my head all the time when I, when I first did it full time. What I'm realizing is these are both very double-edged swords. So freedom, great. You also have to then be clear on what you say yes to, what you say no to. You have to have a sense of confidence around, okay, this is my value. 
I believe I can make this work or else you'll be chasing so many different things from this place of scarcity saying, oh, well, what if this doesn't work out? Same for flexibility. Like being able to work wherever and whenever is great. And you post the pictures on Instagram of working from the beach and people like it. And they're like, oh my God, I wish I had this life. And then you are your <laughs> own boss, which is awesome. And then also sometimes the boss is kind of a dick, you know, and, and has <laughs> yeah. terrible time management skills and isn't very communicative and doesn't set boundaries. And so there, I think when having a lot of, especially as we say, freedom and flexibility, you then actually have to be even better at setting your own boundaries at being on top of time management. Uh, you just have to be better at everything or else that freedom and flexibility turns into a negative. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure there's a book out there that talks about this, but so many people I've also talked to um, have agreed is that like, I feel like entrepreneurship is like a spiritual path because it just brings up all of this personal development shit that you didn't even like think you had to deal with or think about, but you're confronted with it because all of a sudden, like I went from working a nine to five to having my own, you know, schedule and I work from home. So I get very distracted by like dirty dishes all the time, but I have to say, no, like, it sounds funny. The reward now is to wash the dishes. <laughs> like if I'm finished my work, I can wash the dishes anyways. It's the little so things, you know? Yeah. But there's that idea of like, um, there's structure around, you know, your nine to five, whatever, or job, whatever. And then some people think that entrepreneurship is very unstructured and yes, it is. But at the same time, like your job, your somebody created the structure around your job. Why can't you create the structure around your business? And and there's nothing wrong with changing it. Yeah, a friend of mine said, entrepreneurship is a twenty four seven personal growth experience, and totally agree with that. And what you said about being confronted, I think that's so true, and it it's kind of analogous to money as well as when you start to think about how you want to use your time in entrepreneurship and how you are going to be effective in that you're confronted with where your limits are and where you might have room for improvement and that happens when you look at your money as well when you finally put together a spending plan or if you have no idea what's coming in what's going out and where it's going and you finally see that you're like holy crap, I'm not spending in alignment with my values. Like, what do I care about? What do I want to be doing? And so there's a lot of similarities there, um, which is why we have this podcast. Because again, you can't talk about money without talking about life and so many other things come up. So I think it's really interesting just to see that uh, similarity between kind of what we're talking about with entrepreneurship and how that confronting happens with money as well. And I, I'm going to throw this out there. You, you know, I would love your your take on this is that when I was in in a nine to five, it was almost like part of that responsibility, quote unquote, was not mine, if that makes sense. And whereas when, once I went into business, it was like all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I have all this responsibility. It's that perception. What do you think about that? Gah, I just can't agree <laughs> with that more. And that's really personal for me because I honestly, for the first 10 years of my working life, um, got by on pushing some things off onto others. I have a high enough EQ and I can get by on my personality that I actually use that privilege to be not as good at what I was doing and others would pick up the slack. Mm. And that's 
I think a really core underlying reason as to why I didn't believe when I was at Sony that I could get another job, that I didn't trust that I could make this leap into entrepreneurship because I knew that I had skated by uh, a lot of my working life and in school too, that had happened. So that was a pattern that there was this fear. Can I actually make this on my own? Do I have the intelligence? Do I have the drive? Do I have the ability to push through? Because historically, I haven't, right? I've shied away. I've pushed it on to others rather than actually having to be responsible for my true work output. Thank you so much for for saying that because I'm pretty sure a lot of people out there feel the same way. And honestly, I was also very blessed in that when I took the leap, I was starting with two other people. And so I still, when I started with them, I still didn't do all of the work I should have. I still pushed some things off. And I have to give so much credit to, to Ben and Doug because they not only supported me in terms of saying, you can do this, but also when I didn't do the work I needed to do, they they helped pick up the slack. And you know, there definitely is still some guilt that I have of in those first couple months and probably the first year of like me being too scared to do some of the work I needed to do, to go out and do business development, to not push as hard as I should and, and seeing how that could have affected or did affect the growth of, of the business. And so, yeah, it, if I would have quit Sony and then tried to start Be Awesome Not Broke on my own, I really do think I would have failed because I really needed that and this is just my personal view, but like that I needed that chance to still be supported in this area of entrepreneurship um, and have other people help pick up the slack or else I just would have not been prepared for that leap. Okay. Well, that's great. I, I, I totally agree with that, needing that support system. I think whenever you take a leap, even if it's not entrepreneurial, there needs to be some sort of support system. Now I was a solopreneur, right? Or I still am. But I did have a really great, I, I joined a paid mastermind. And so we were all, all of us were making the leap around the same time. And so I got that support system, even though I, you know, it didn't go into business with other people per se. So it's important to find people and there's, you know, don't, don't kind of have the excuse like, oh, I live in a rural area, blah, blah, blah. Like I lived across the world from half of these people. And if I can make it work, you can. Yeah. There are right now, like, I won't say there are no excuses because there are people that have more obligations than a single white guy with no children, right? So I realized, <laughs> like, I am able to give a lot more to this, which is why I admire so much of what you were able to do and how you did it because you had, you were in a relationship and then you had a child, right? And you're married. And so the, I think you offer a really unique perspective that I am not able to, to come from that place of how to be able to start when you have those obligations or I guess because they kind of grew over time of just how when each new thing comes up do you manage those challenges because we talked about what's great about entrepreneurship and then saying you know like I can imagine that was really challenging when new things come into your life and then you're like how do I change and how do I uh, just adjust to what the new reality is. Yeah, okay. I want to speak to the word excuses. I think there's a difference between excuses and reasons. So if we're going to talk about my responsibilities versus yours, because you're a single white male, like, yes, my reason for more challenges or different challenges 
is because I am, you know, a mother and a wife and I moved like a gazillion times in the last how many years, right? So those are reasons for maybe anxiety, stress, whatever. But I could have easily used them as an excuse to not do something, to stop myself from whatever. So I just I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, like I get asked all the time, <laughs> like, how do you make it work? How do you make it work? I cannot imagine like having a kid at home and typing and doing all this stuff like you're doing and taking on all these projects. And my answer to that is just you just you just make it work. You just figure it out. Like with every reason for me not to be able to do something, I always ask myself like, okay, how can I work around this? Or can I put this off until later when I do have more time or when I do have more resources or, or resources or whatever? Like I remember when I was hustling, when I was st still living in China, I mean, I would get up at like 2 a.m. for phone calls. I don't recommend that now. Like there's just no way, right? But yeah, I used to get up at 2 a.m. for phone calls because people were, you know, in California and I wanted the $10,000 gig. Like I did it, right? So it was just, it's kind of one of those questions where you have to like, what am I willing to do to get something? And if I'm not willing to do it, then I just have to say, that's the choice I made. Yeah. Going back to like the idea of it being a double-edged sword of freedom and flexibility, right? That there are pros and that there are cons. I think there are some people who say, yeah, how do you do it? But also you're at home with your child. So if something happens, you can run to the store if you need to. If he's sick, you ha can take that time off. So there is a real benefit there that if you had a nine to five, you couldn't. But I think more often than not, people say, this is generalizing, but people do naturally look at the good and say, oh man, like being able to work for yourself, being able to have that freedom, flexibility, autonomy to ha like be pursuing your passion. I do want that. And talking about the comparison trap, a couple episodes ago, it's easy to pick up on the good. Um, so yeah, I think you kind of spoke to that about, you know, people don't necessarily see the sacrifices, but for people who say, I want to get into this because it will help me, you know, X, Y, and Z make my life easier. What do you say to them? Or can you give them some advice and support on how to like make a more informed decision around that? I think the first one is to find somebody who's going to be like super, super honest with you about their journey. So it could be listening to a podcast like this. It could be seeking out a mentor. It could be going to your local SCORE office, so S-C-O-R-E, your small, um, small business uh, mentorship office, and just get an overall picture of what it takes. And then again, ask yourself, like, am I willing to do that work? Like, can I make that choice right now? And if that's a no, then put it off or, you know, if like, or ask yourself, like, what is it that I hate about my current job? Or what is it that I hate about my current situation? Right? Because you can say, yeah, I'm going to quit my job and go to another one or quit my job and start a business. But if there's some other underlying emotional need that you're not fulfilling, then you're just going to keep running from job to job or business to business. And you're still kind of at square one at that point. It's so funny how we come back to such similar themes of getting down to the underlying needs and wants, you know, especially with entrepreneurship, but with money, which we've talked about many times over this season, it all comes back to that. What is it that you want and what is the best way now for you to creatively make that happen? I think we alluded to this, we never directly said it, is that both our businesses is a tool or a means to an end, right? We both 
started our money coaching business is because we like helping people. We like that, you know, creativity, the autonomy, the freedom that it comes with the business as well. Like for me, it was a way so that I could still financial contribute financially to my household while raising my son at home. That idea of it being a tool is super important because for me, I know when I quit the music production company and then started Be Awesome Not Broke, it was because A, I... As soon as I got this idea of helping people around money, I literally couldn't get it out of my head. And it was one of those things where I never felt so passionate about an idea that it just wouldn't go away. And I had to listen to that. But at the same time, I also had $23,000 in the bank and I had no children. I had no significant other. And so the way that I decided to do it, which I honestly don't recommend, was just starting the business full time rather than starting it as a side hustle. And that was really, really, really hard. And I actually wish I would have taken some time to find people, like you said, find a mentor, talk to other people who were doing it and better understand what those challenges were. I am very grateful for making this decision. I also think I could have saved myself a lot of struggle and challenges by having more conversations with people who had done it, not having it be such an idealized kind of version of, oh, I'm just going to go out and create this and I trust I can do it and whatever, I'll make it work. Uh, so realizing, looking back, like, yeah, being more diligent. And I think if starting the job is a tool, taking some time to maybe make the tool better before starting it, right? Like sharpening the the hatchet before actually trying to chop the wood. Sure, that's an analogy. We'll pretend just worked. <laughs> I was laughing because I'm looking at Gary's face like, oh, not that you guys can see it, but anyway. <laughs> okay, so this is a question that popped up in my head. If you got the good and the bad side or challenging side, I guess, of business, would that have stopped you from making that leap again? Hmm. Probably not, partly because of where I was, where it was a getting out of the music business. It was not just like I was quitting the music production company job. It's I knew that the music business wasn't right for me. So it was this question of, so what do I choose to do next? Probably would have made the same decision. Actually, I, I don't know. I might have gotten a part-time job in something that I knew I wouldn't be in long-term, but that would have given me more financial stability and allowed me to not hemorrhage money as quickly and also just ramp up a little slower and not have such stress and anxiety around it. Um, I can look at, you know, would I be where I am right now without having gone and done it full-time? No. But also there's a lot of stuff that I had to work through on my own that if I had taken just a couple days to do some more research and, and seek out people I could have overcome or not fallen into a lot of the potholes that I did. That's great. <laughs> You're looking confused. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, for you, you were much more deliberate. So I, I'm, I was going to ask you the same question, but I think that you weren't nearly as impulsive as I was. So it seemed more, I know you said you fell into it, but it was a series of conscious decisions for you. I think part of it was the perceived risk was greater because I didn't necessarily have a backup plan per se because moving to the US I'm like I was literally starting over right like I had no experience in the US and and a lot of I remember employers I talked to that was kind of a deterrent for them for hiring me 
And so it was kind of one of those things where I knew for me to feel comfortable to even do this, I I had it to I needed to have a really big back or savings um, account, like cash literally in the bank. And so it was one of those where I was like, I had a number I wanted to aim for. And if I didn't have it, then I guess I couldn't have still found a job. But anyway, that would have probably like worked minimum wage in McDonald's or something, right? So that was kind of what it was. I like, I, I was very much a, and my husband is also a very practical guy. And so I think that weighed into it a lot too, where I'm like, okay, if I can show him I have this much saved, I can show him that, you know, within the next three months, this is my income from my side hustle, then I can transition into a full-time career with this. And I know that we're highlighting a lot of the challenges. We did talk about some of the benefits, but I've spent a lot of time on the challenges. And I do just want to say that I, and I know you, really acknowledge like how fortunate we are to live in a time where we have the ability to even do this, like to take calls virtually and to do what we're doing right now. And, you know, looking at my life and saying, great, I get to have client calls. And then like during the day, I can go to my back therapy and then go back and have more client calls. And to have, like, I think I take it for granted sometimes of how nice it is. And there are so many challenges that come with it. Yes. But ultimately, you know, you said that this, our business is a tool. And for me, what's so important right now is personal growth and being confronted in so many different areas of my life. And I'm loving that. And when I don't love it, I might quit. You know, this is right for me right now. Will it be for the rest of my life? I don't know. But for right now, being able to meet a lot of people through the work that I do, um, I'm supporting a lot of new coaches people who want to become financial coaches, which is really fun and exciting. Again, being confronted and challenged and growing and just seeing where I can become a better human and kind of pointing that compass in the direction of uncomfortability and fear and just always taking one more step towards it. It has been really, really fun and really rewarding. And when it doesn't feel like that anymore, I think I'll change. But until that, you know, just saying I, I am even with the conversation we're having, so blessed and grateful for this opportunity um, and the challenges because those challenges are what I'm seeking right now. Yeah, and trust me, I'm I'm grateful every day for the internet. Like if it wasn't for the internet, I would not be doing what I'm doing right now. Thanks, Al Gore. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'm like, did he invent the internet? Anyway, he he thank does. you, Al Gore. <laughs> we'll just give you credit unless someone tells us it's wrong. But I'm I'm grateful like for finding about out about um podcasting. Like, I mean, I'm I listen to a gazillion podcasts. That's probably a really big stretch, but I listen to a lot of podcasts that motivate me, inspire me. I wouldn't have gone into business if it wasn't for the internet. I am grateful every day for this. And what it's afforded me is you know, the opportunity to serve other people. I think that's been the most rewarding part of it is, you know, I've been able to coach people, help them get out of debt, help them just feel more confident in themselves, not just with their money. Like that has been really amazing. Like even with, you know, even though I don't coach them one-on-one, like them reading my blog posts, um, I've gotten so many emails about like, you know what, like that, I followed that blog post that you wrote step-by-step and this is the result I got. Like that makes me so incredibly happy and grateful that the internet is here to help me serve more people. So one point I do want to add is that when you're taking a leap, 
right? It could be entrepreneurship. It could be negotiating for a higher salary. Um, I don't know, investing for the first time, whatever is don't think of it as what you're stepping away from or leaping away from is thinking about like, what are you moving towards or going to? I think the fear comes when we think about, let's say, leaping away from the nine to five, like we're leaving the steady paycheck, we're leaving, you know, this and that. But it's like, but we're moving towards unlimited income potential. Like that is exciting to me, right? I'm leaping towards like, um, connecting with more people than I could have at my nine nine to five. So that's that was ex- that's exciting for me. Moving toward being able to work around your son with the pros and the cons that come with that, right? I love that idea, that reframe. Uh, I hadn't heard that before, and I think that would be a major takeaway for people: is not what you are moving away from, but what you are moving into or toward. That's that's awesome. Yeah, and I and I. Just want to say, like, to be able to do that, like, to reframe is to think about how we can practice stretching or even facing our, like, confronting the fear or anxiety that we have, right? So a stretch could be, um, you know, okay, so something in my, in my, that I actually did was I doubled my rates with a new client. That was extremely scary. I'm like, here's my rate. And they actually came back to me and was like, yeah, well, okay, cool. That sounds great. And I'm like, why didn't I do this earlier? <laughs> like so so now I can go to the next client and and stretch even further. Maybe not, you know, double my rate, maybe like an extra 10%. So I'm practicing those muscles that so that I know I'm leaping towards the income potential or whatever. I think that's a great question to pose to listeners. Say, you know, what is one small step that you can take to stretch yourself just a little bit outside of your comfort zone and point your compass in that direction of fear. Yeah, no, like, and let us know, like, if if you feel compelled to share, I'm on Twitter a lot. <laughs> so if if you hear me, or not if you hear me, if you read the, the replies from Twitter, it's actually me doing it, not Garrett. <laughs> I hate Twitter. But if you send us an email, uh, either Sarah or I will get back to you. But, uh, but really, um, sit with that question. That's something where going back to Sarah, when you asked, hey, what was that event like when you quit? Again, it wasn't some big thing. It was the result of a lot of little tiny steps that added up to something big. So Mm -hmm. when you start asking yourself, just what is one small step you can take today to stretch yourself outside your comfort zone? You don't know where that's going to lead, but it's going to lead somewhere pretty badass because as soon as you take one step, you've given yourself permission to take another and another and another, and that will snowball. And the confidence you will get from that is going to turn into something pretty awesome. Exactly. So, Oh my gosh, before we wrap up episode 12, Garrett, do you have anything else you want to add? (laughs) This has been so much fun. This season of putting these together, you know, this leap um, that we took into podcast entrepreneurship, if you will. I mean, we met each other at FinCon and uh, we hit it off and we had the same approach around money. And we said, all right, we're going to do this. And we just set a date and we worked back a couple months and we got the episodes out when we wanted to. Um, And I think that all goes back to literally just our experience of saying yes to things, of um, taking these little steps towards stretching ourselves constantly. And then having done that over, you know, for you five plus years, you know, for me three to five as well, if we talk about how long it's been since I quit Sony, 
you know, that is an example of us just um, having taken little steps to stretching ourselves, how that then makes something like starting a podcast so much easier because we've done it. We're a lot more comfortable. We have experience doing it. Again, this podcast being a direct result of our work of stretching, of leaning into things and just uh, saying yes and taking that leap. I totally agree. And Garrett has not gotten sick of me yet. So I guess that's a good sign. <laughs> so it means we're coming back. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> yay. Yay. So we are just going to take some time to review how it went and see how we want to tweak things moving forward. And we will be back. And we've had so much fun putting this together. Please let us know. Uh, ask Sarah on Twitter or share on Twitter. You can send us emails of what you've really, really liked, what's been helpful, and then also what you would like to hear more of or hear in addition that we haven't done. Exactly. All right. We will see you guys soon. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Dollar. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. And if you can think of one awesome human who would connect with what we talked about today, we'd love you forever if you shared this episode with them. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Beyond the Dollar.